This is Ben Max from Gotham Gazette. And I'm Jarrett Murphy from City Limits. And Ben, uh, City Hall today, announced that for at least 12 bad landlords, things got a little less comfortable. Yeah, the mayor and the public advocate, uh, who is his successor, and she's picked up on his worst landlords list, and he praised her for following up on the work he had started in sort of a, a humble brag moment. Um, they announced today that they're taking measures against some of these bad landlords, uh, eight landlords at 12, 12 buildings where they're going to withhold public subsidies for rents um, to to force those landlords to make improvements to the to buildings that are falling apart. Right. They're going to appoint a tenant lawyer uh, for each of the buildings and give them, I think it was 15 days to fix things up and if not, hold the, the rent back. And then and what happens if the landlords still don't fix stuff? Well, they, they say, right, they're going to give them this small window at first and then they're going to take them to housing court uh, as needed. And I think, you know, there were questions at the press conference today about why just these eight? Why just these 12 buildings? You know, should are we going to see this go further? And the public advocate, Tish James, said, you know, when we put out the worst landlords list, we get a bunch of calls right away where people say, oh, we're going to make improvements. You got to take us off this list. So maybe this is the type of action that's similar to that that'll spur some people who are not even on this list to to get their buildings together. But, you know, some of the descriptions of the way landlords are keeping these buildings are, are pretty abhorrent. Mm -hmm. And this has been a longstanding puzzle for the city. How do you, beyond the shame tactics, how do you get the truly bad landlords to fix buildings? And, you know, there's the emergency repair program where the city goes and fixes stuff and bills them. There's alternative enforcement. Uh, and the, the use of the word receivership was interesting in the, the mayor's press release about this this announcement today because that is a step the city has for, for obvious reasons been reluctant to take whether it's called an article 7a or actually taking over buildings you know they don't want to become landlords they want to become responsible for tenants uh, but it looks like they are willing at least on paper in some of the worst cases here to, to do that yeah I mean I think they're being fairly creative and they're and aggressive and and for, you know for the for the tenants living in in these buildings I think that's welcome news there is one woman they had at the press conference today who spoke about her experiences she actually spoke in Spanish and had a translator there it was very you know interesting um, you know to, to hear her story of, of you know her her building falling down around her um, you, you know what was interesting is they also said they're sort of utilizing a law that's been around for decades but hasn't been used mm -hmm. uh, and so that's pretty interesting that they sort of discovered this mechanism or it was brought back to their attention uh, de Blasio was asked uh, why this wasn't used during the Dinkins administration for example and he said you know he actually thought of that question too but hasn't gotten an answer yet but but anyway they're putting it into practice now so 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 anyway, uh, you know that that announcement, you know, it bears watching the follow through there, as as do any mayoral announcement, right? Uh, is it, is it just a press event, or do they actually follow through? Uh, but meanwhile, there's also you know some updates on the mayor's rezoning plans that uh, mm -hmm. that are moving forward. Yeah, the Jerome Avenue rezoning, the only one in the Bronx so far. Uh, one of the city's preliminary uh, environmental impact statement documents was supposed to come out in May. It's been pushed back to September uh, because the city wants to take more time to consider the community plan that's been put forward there, and especially some of the requests by the community to add particular metrics and criteria to the environmental impact review uh, to try to really get a full assessment of what the impact of the rezoning will be. So that's something we're tracking, and, and it's very interesting that they're slowing things down a little bit. Yeah, you know, I think after East New York, we were sort of expecting, mm -hmm. okay, what's next? Flushing, the Bronx, Staten Island, you know, these different next rezoning plans. But 
Um, these are complicated projects and the questions of community involvement and community pushback are, are very real. Um, and I think what you know, you guys at City Limits pointed out here and, and, and wrote about on this postponement is that the, the neighborhood demands from community groups and the local council member you know, we're, we're fairly big in East New York and are growing here, it seems like, in the Bronx and the Jerome Ave Corridor. And that's going to be really interesting to watch how those negotiations go and if the de Blasio administration can get community uh, buy-in. Mm -hmm. One of the elements of this that you have looked at is uh, the effect on homeowners uh, who are in areas that are slated for rezoning or could be slated for rezoning. And that's one big question. We know seven or eight neighborhoods, there's seven or eight other ones out there. Uh, what's the latest work you guys have done on that? Well, yeah, we had, we had done this piece looking at, you know, that homeowners, especially of these sort of smaller homes and areas being rezoned or even on the outskirts of the rezoning areas, you know, stand to gain if they can keep their homes. You know, when your property values go up, even if you're able to make your mortgage payments, well, all of a sudden you have higher taxes to pay. And that's a, that's a big concern for many. But now we're looking at this question of, is the city's plan for, for a lot of this housing, the city's plan is sort of predicated on speculation, right? That in order for higher, denser buildings to go up, in a lot of instances, they need developers to buy out people who own the smaller homes and knock them down and build something bigger. Mm -hmm. um, and so we're, we're trying to look at how much is the plan actually predicated on that type of speculation and investment. Um, and what questions does that raise about current homeowners? Right, right. I guess the difference between appreciation and speculation, and you know, one, one being a kind of a positive growth in values, the other being someone just flipping something in anticipation of flipping it again. Mm -hmm. um, it's interesting you mentioned homeownership because that, among some of the more rental aspects of affordable housing, figures into the Association for Neighborhoods and Housing Development, their annual rundown of the 59 New York City community districts and which ones face the sharpest and kind of harshest housing threats, looking at you know, foreclosure rates, housing court appearances, overcrowding, and uh, an area of the Bronx, uh, Board 5, University Heights Fordham, led the city this year in terms of the number of areas where they see significant risk. And I took note as a, as a Bronxite that six, the six top neighborhoods for housing threats were all in the Bronx, not a borough that is currently really feeling gentrification in a strong way, uh, but maybe feeling some of the spillover effects and certainly considered as the perhaps the next uh, battleground in that. Yeah, I think there's some areas of the Bronx that seem to be on this sort of menu of where the next hot neighborhoods and, and when you talk about um, some of the great resources that are in upper Manhattan and into the Bronx in terms of parkland and waterfront and, and things of that nature and opportunity. Um, I think we're, we're looking at even more of a sort of boom coming to that area. Now, when ANHD and when, when, you, when you talk about risk, housing risk, what are we, what are we talking about there? In so it's looking at, you know, all the different ways that renters and homeowners can be put at risk. Uh, foreclosure, crowding, um, you know, uh, housing violations, uh, very low AMIs, very high rent burden. And so they have, you know, 20 or 30 sort of criteria they, they apply to each of these neighborhoods, and they, they basically have kind of a red flag cutoff in each of those um, sort of metrics. And the neighborhoods that show 
danger signs in, in multiple areas are the ones that they seem, uh, they, they deem to be most at risk. Mm -hmm. You know, because it's not a question simply of it being a, a low-income neighborhood, simply having a lot of crowd, crowding, simply having foreclosure, but having all of those happening at the same time. Um, the week that's ending now uh, has been celebratory because it's the first anniversary of NYCHA's Next Generation Plan. And I know you went to uh, the briefing they had this week. What were your impressions of the first year and how they were uh, casting it? Well, you know, NYCHA's going through what they are calling and what they're hoping, what seems to be, you know, a bit of a reinvention. They have $17 billion in um, capital need for improvements, which is just this massive amount that is a huge hole to climb out of. And they have a long-term 10-plus-year plan to try to do that, to try to get into solid financial footing. So... You know, the initial progress that they're making, both in their operations, but then in, in their long-term financial planning is sort of the two key buckets that, you know, we looked at and we talked about and they briefed us on. Um, you know, I think that there is some slight progress that seems to be made. Um, they, they've reduced wait times on repairs significantly in the last year. Uh, and they're, you know, they're working on getting their financial picture together, but it's it's pretty dire. The, the big pieces of that financial picture that are really developing now are, is this infill plan that's fairly controversial and trying to bring affordable housing and market rate housing and mixed housing to NYCHA properties. Speaking of big pieces, one big piece we're looking at is the uh, state's affordable housing program, which of course was funded in the budget past April 1st. Uh, housing advocates are still waiting for the powers that be in Albany to sign an MOU, a Memorandum of Understanding, about exactly how that money will be spent so it can start to be spent. Um, it's about 100,000 units. It's not quite clear how many of those, if any, will be in the city. But they are hoping to get that signed by the end of the legislative session, June 16th. But as you know better than I, there's a, quite a bit on the docket for the legislature between here and there. Yeah, there's a lot on the docket for the state government, but I, most people are assuming very little on that docket is actually going to get done by the time they leave Albany for, for the summer and the all the re-election and election campaigns that are happening in the fall. Um, this MOU on, on housing is a, is a big one. We, our guy in Albany, David King, wrote an article uh, a few weeks ago about the fact that this affordable housing plan that the governor touted in his state of the state address is still largely a mystery. And that's what you're getting at with this question about advocates are saying, where's the plan? Where's the money? Where's the MOU? Where's the supportive housing uh, plan? Um, and that's going to be really, really worth watching in the next few weeks. I would assume, as I'm sure you would, that a lot of this housing is going to be targeted for New York City. Uh, I would think so, but you know, they're, they're obviously Governor Cuomo's taken a real interest in Rochester and Buffalo, and you know those housing markets have very different needs from the city. I think uh, it really is kind of a um, kind of a wait and see, uh, and also supportive housing is, I think, an element of that that the advocates want to see spelled out. That's a particular uh, priority for some of them. Um, so it's interesting, both uh, Mayor de Blasio and Governor Cuomo still, you know, facing uh, facing questions over their housing plans. Uh, maybe they'll get together and talk about it sometime. Yeah, that'd be fun to see, although I won't hold my breath on that. But I, I guess I will go out on a limb, even though I don't have a lot of faith in Albany, that, that that MOU does get signed by the end of this session, because for them to leave that money sitting there and not planned out would be, uh, I think, catastrophic politically for them. You heard it here.